Hey, we changing the game on the name, put respect. Uncle Dad talks, yeah, live and direct. What did you expect from the two fly guys? One love Kevin Smith, one of more's golden eye. Mike's the level-headed, baby Gabe edits. Uncle Dad gets nervous all the time, but to his credit, he's clever. Spring stuff on Mike on a daily. And can mangle up a name amazingly. The range of events and topics makes it hard to stop listening. So why even attempt it? From bare knuckle fighting to Grammy songwriting to Burning Man Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad and with me as always is the ever so handsome, the impeccable, the legendary, the the super ha- the, the handsomest <laughs> part of the handsome achievement club, <laughs> the one and only Mike Hampton. Mike, what's up? Jesus. <laughs> you know, that, I don't even... I, I'm yeah okay. Hi everyone, it's me. It's all those it's things. All these things. Right oh, here. and I forgot. Just Mike. <laughs> just Mike. Just yeah. Mike. How about instead of all that, say it's the Uncle Dad and then just Mike. <laughs> okay. And the ever so handsome just Mike. I like it. Okay. Uh, Mike, how are you today? Yeah, I'm excellent. Thank you. How are you? I'm big chilling, man. Very excited to speak to our next guest. Um, he's actually waiting for us right now. So let's uh, make this kind of nice and fast here. Uh, yes, we're going to speak to uh, kind of like a rising star in the uh, the Bay Area, which we hail from. Uh, he is a he was on the 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 reality show Tough Enough. He's done a lot of hosting work. He's done work for CES. Uh, he just revealed a super cool t- television, the world's first and only fully wireless television. Like no, you don't even have to plug it in. Like you literally just pop it on the wall and that's it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he's doing a lot. He's also going to be self-powered. Work- it's self-powered, but you can ask him these questions because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to talk to him about this. I got. I'm going to write that down. Yes. Uh, and he uh, is going to be doing uh, part of the host committee, committee, host committee for the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, we are talking about AJ Kirsch. Uh, very excited to speak to him. Uh, he is waiting for us, so we'll do some more banter a little later. We'll do a wrap up. So we're just going to have him on. And Mike, are you ready for it? I think I'm ready. All right, let's do it. We'll be right back, everybody. Tion Buku One, aka Mr. Generous, live and direct. All right, everybody. We are back here at Uncle Dad Talks. Uh, we are with, if uh, you just heard our intro, we are with somebody who, you know, I, I the way I got introduced to this person was through uh, watching him uh, opening up for a legend, if you will, or not, if you will, absolutely a legend, uh, was the, the one and only Mick Foley. Uh, and let me tell you, his performance when he, I mean, he, I, I don't want not to take anything away, and I really do mean this. I think he kind of stole the show, personally. Uh, we are with A.J. Kirsch. A.J., what's up, man? Wow, that is uh, no pressure after that intro whatsoever. <laughs> thank you for putting me in a very unenviable spot. Uh, that's sweet, though. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was a dream come true to open, air quotes, open for one of the two performers who really compelled me, motivated me to want to pursue a career in pro wrestling, and it has been a hell of a ride ever since. So... Uh, yeah, consider it a, a bucket list item, I guess, to host the show and, as you said, essentially open for Mick Foley when he did his stand-up and storytelling show at the Improv in San Jose last May, I think it was. Wow, you remembered. Awesome. <laughs> hard to forget. Hard to forget. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I just, you know, it's it's always hard, I think, when uh, 
you know, and I'll be honest, I wasn't too familiar with you, but when you're, when somebody you're not familiar with, it's always that impression that that person brings on. Right. And what, what really struck a chord with me is that when I had saw you in the lobby and then you had a bunch of wrestling stuff out there. And what I really appreciated was, is that I was standing in front of there and I, and I, I doubt you remember this and it's totally fine. Is that I was looking at uh, your stuff and you, all you did was just, you looked at me, you gave me a smile and you said, Hey, thanks for being here. If you have any questions, just let me know. Cause you know, I was looking at your, your wares and I think that, that it felt so genuine, nice, and it didn't feel pressuring. And then when you went to go on the show, I was like, Oh, this guy's the one who's hosting it. Like, this is awesome. And you just were full of charisma and yeah, just, you know, thank you for making it such an inviting place. And since I've, since I've started following you on Instagram, you are such a uh, inviting person. You really are like everything that you do is so uh, welcoming and inviting. And I think that's such a hard trait to find these days. So it just, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for that. Wow. Uh, again, I don't really know <laughs> what to say. I'm honored. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've been in, in wrestling shows and in wrestling environments as a fan still am, of course. And, you know, sometimes the performers just go for like the really hard sell and it's just kind of off-putting. Like, even if I'm a fan of somebody, if I'm, just so much of standing by the table and not even necessarily glancing at what they might be selling. It's just like, it's a little bit too on the nose and it always just kind of, I don't know, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So it's like, you know, I, I noticed you were glancing at my stuff. And so obviously I'm selling it. Obviously I'd like to make as much money as possible. I feel like that kind of goes without saying. So it's like, we all know why we're here and why this stuff is here. And if you want to buy something, then great. And if you don't want to, then that's also great. It's your life. You do what you want. I know you're well, you, <laughs> Yeah. I, I also, um, well, you know how I met uncle dad, AJ, is that I was selling stuff at a table and I was aggressively trying to sell it. To him. <laughs> so I guess some and friendship was, can't know, happen out of the, uh, the heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I was, and I was a 16 year old boy at that point. So he was trying to be impressionable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was trying, trying to, to I was trying to, I was trying to make as much money as I can. Like you said, AJ, you know, it, it is part of the, the of having a table somewhere. Right, right. We're not we're not doing it for free. We wanna we wanna walk away with some padded pockets. Ideally, it doesn't always happen that way, but it's nice when it does. Yeah, maybe there's more pressure if you know the 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 cost of having the table is is higher, or you know, you're kind of a little more apt to be a salesman. Uh, AJ, so you know, to kind of talk about your career for those who don't know, uh, you know, as as I've kind of learned more about you through through following you, it's like you know, it seems to me, and please tell me if I'm wrong that you got a huge start uh, through Tough Enough. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tough Enough, uh, for those of you who are unacquainted, was a 2011 reality show on the USA Network that immediately followed Monday Night Raw. And it was a competition-style pro wrestling reality show where the winner received a contract with WWE. They became a signed pro wrestler, superstar, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the host and head trainer. The other trainers were Bill DeMott, Trish Stratus and Booker T. And then, of course, they had a cycle of, uh, of guest trainers, including like Big Show, Rey Mysterio, Bret Hart, uh, John Cena. Um, who else? Stacey Keebler dropped by. Uh, and then, you know, one day uh, Dwayne Johnson decided to roll in, which was uh, definitely my shining moment on the show was winning the promo challenge that he evaluated. And it was actually in that moment where I kind of realized 
if I don't get signed, because a lot of folks from Tough Enough who don't win do eventually go on to get signed. If I don't get signed, then maybe I have more to offer pro wrestling than just being an in-ring performer. Um, so that's when I started to kind of consider more hosting, ring announcing, and commentary. That's when I also uh, shopped myself around to some talent agencies here in the San Francisco Bay Area where I'm located because I wanted to make myself as versatile and entertainer as possible if WWE came calling. I want to be able to do all of the commercials and TV roles and movie roles and, you know, talk shows, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, Tough Enough really was a turning point for me in my career. And I was only about five and a half years deep at that point. So, and a far, far cry from who I am nowadays. Like, you know, I do a lot of reflecting on my career because I just had my last pro wrestling match in November and uh, even if I had won tough enough, I think I would have gotten chewed up and spit out by WWE. I don't think I had nearly the grasp on who I was as a human and what I wanted to do and what really fulfills me as far as um, work in and around professional wrestling. Yeah, well, I was going to say that I was going to I was going to ask about. WWE, that's such like that's like the pinnacle, right? Like that's if you're trying to play football, you want to play in the NFL. If you're trying to be wrestling, you want to you know go into the WWE. And I would imagine that feeling of, of getting chewed up and spit out because I I don't know I've, I I watched for a short period of time. I'm, I'm assuming you've been a, a WWE fan for a long time. Yeah, AJ. Yeah, since yeah. I was like 12 years old in '96. Yeah. I remember I had a, a housemate that was really into it around the early 2000s, back when uh, The Rock and I, th I guess it was Triple H were battling with with uh, with Vince McMahon's daughter was like in the mix, and they it was just this huge. It was such a, I mean, the storyline was great. I was sucked in for sure. But yeah, I mean that that seems like you you've really got to be ready for physical, but also the mental, also like your performance like there's it's not just i'm i'm gonna get in shape and jump in the ring and, and fight a guy right like it's it's everything yeah it's it's an absolute beast and so at that point i had only experienced kind of you know like three or four matches a month on the west coast independent circuit um which you know you're driving sometimes six or eight hours for a show and a show you're only in front of an audience for maybe 15 minutes or so typically so it's it's really a lot of time going into a very small amount of performance but um you know i just don't think i could have handled the pressure of being on that stage i don't know that i had enough experience underneath my belt to really feel as confident in that environment as a john cena or as a undertaker or really anybody that was active during that time um and, you know, part of me thinks that maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better for not quite ever reaching that point. Like, I never did sign that WWE contract. Um, but I have had a hell of a ride. A hell of a ride in and around wrestling. And I had no idea the doors that pro wrestling would open up for me. Yeah, it's interesting, too, like how when we find our passions and we get into it, right? Like, I, I always want to know, like, where, where we kind of start that. You know, you talked about you've been a fan of it since you were, you were 12. So like, what was the match that you remember that changed everything for you? Like, okay, that's what I want to do. You know, it wasn't a single match. It was, okay. I don't even, I don't even remember what that moment was, but I just remember 
flipping through channels on a Monday night uh, in March of 96 and just landed on wrestling. And I'm like, I haven't watched wrestling in a while. I'm like, I was aware of it with like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and that whole air quotes golden era of the late eighties and early nineties. But you know, I was just like, just didn't watch it for a while. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And for whatever reason, to this day, I have a hard time putting it into words. It just really captivated me. And it was Shawn Michaels of all people who, you know, just, I gravitated toward first. And for my money, he's still the greatest to ever do it. The greatest like total package entertainer. He could wrestle with anybody and make them look amazing. He really knew how to sell with his face. He knew how to get sympathy or he made you really just hate his guts. Incredible promo um, and just knew how to reinvent himself time and time again. So he he's, he's my number one. And um, I don't know. I think I just started watching wrestling at a time when it was just on the cusp of starting to evolve into that attitude era, Mike, that era that you were watching and got sucked into in the early 2000s. And so I was, you know, a young teenager. So as I, as I was growing, pro wrestling was kind of growing with me. And I think for a lot of people who grew up in that era or came of age in that era, that's why we, it was a, I like to describe it as a phase we never grew out of. And to this day, I have yet to grow out of it. Man, it's 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 interesting to say that because like I grew out of it for a little bit, and then like recently I kind of been drawn back into it uh, because of AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are talking about how AEW is kind of returning that that feeling. You know, and and absolutely it, it is. And so I am curious to kind of like if you get your opinion on it. How do you feel WWE is where they are now, and AEW? Where, where do you think they're kind of going? Where do I think they're going? Like, because some people believe that WWE is kind of failing now. Uh, I don't know if you feel that way. And then AEW is going to become like the new champion of wrestling. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, the WWE, <laughs> WWE is just a global juggernaut. Like, I'm not sure. saying it's impossible. Yeah. They almost went out of business yeah. in the late 90s with, you know, Bischoff yeah. at the helm of WCW. So nothing's impossible. But like, man, especially after that changing of the guard this past August, I think it was. WWE was on fire and to a certain extent still is. Um, AEW has like some amazing in-ring action and some fascinating characters, but I, I think it's a long, I think they have a long way to go before they can say they are anywhere near the media powerhouse that WWE is. Sure. That's good insight. Cause I always hear that. Like we, I do a lot of cons. Me and Mike do a lot of cons when we travel and like you hear a lot of people always like kind of fighting about that of like AEW is the new king or WWE is the whatever. But my thing is like why can't we just have both? <laughs> we we can we can we do we do have both exactly exactly. I don't I don't know why I don't know why people need to like stick their flag in the ground and be like this one's better or that one's better. Who cares? We have both. We have more wrestling now than we've had in the past ever, literally ever, mm. and it's so accessible. There's so many different genres of wrestling that's how i like to see wrestling grow like i'm i love that wwe is such a powerhouse i love that aew is presenting something of an alternative but there is literally no limit to what you can do with pro wrestling it is malleable as malleable a storytelling medium as literature or movies or music or anything else so 
yay WWE, yay AEW, and yay every other weird form of pro wrestling that is just now starting to get more eyes on it and expand the art as a whole. I love that, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of times that's just what I don't know. We do here in, in this culture. It's it's similar. You know, you think about in basketball, especially right now with with what LeBron's doing. It's always LeBron or, or, or Michael Jordan. LeBron or Michael Jordan. And it's like, well, it's both. And you know, they're right. totally different players in different eras. And why does everything have to be compared? Right. That's just, right. I don't know. There's, there's too many variables. Like in wrestling, it was a completely different time in the business. WWE. When I started watching, was very geared toward kids and very family friendly. All of a sudden, WCW starts to get a little bit more edgy, and then one year later, middle school kids are telling each other "suck it" on the playground. Like <laughs> wrestling moved quickly. Wrestling moved very quickly, and Vince and company had to adapt to what WCW was doing, and they did it in a way that ultimately was more interesting, with better performers and better storylines, and a more gritty presentation. Uh, and then once they snuffed out their competition, guess what? They went right back to being PG because that's where the money is. That's where the shareholders are. And so to try to reclaim the glory days of the Monday Night Wars between WWF at the time and WCW, it's just not going to happen. Like yeah. you don't – one, it was it was head-to-head comp- – and even the way we consume media is different today. Social media wasn't even a glint in anybody's eye back in the early 2000s. So too much has changed, I think, for people to try to recapture the days of Raw versus Nitro, WCW versus WWF. Amen to that for sure. Like I really agree with that. So thank you for saying that. Now, and- when you talk about all this, all this wrestling happening, it's, uh, you know – I always, I'll be honest, I'm not too familiar with the Bay Area circuit of wrestling, but I know you participate with a lot of that, correct? Correct. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that and your characters that you have for that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been a part of a promotion based out of Oakland since 2012 called Hood Slam, which is a 21 and over promotion. So it's different from pretty much anything else I've ever been a part of. You know, there's lots of four-letter words. There's lots of over-the-top characters. It is a very um, kind of drug-friendly, alcohol-soaked, you know, like LGBTQ accepting, welcoming. Like, it's just, it's very um, authentic and gritty and funny and over-the-top, but you can put the wrestling that happens in the ring against anywhere else in the world. Uh, it is basically a pro wrestling party, which is what I love most about it. And um, my character at Hood Slam is Brosif Joe Brody. And it's every bit as obnoxious as it sounds. That's the whole point. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, for any wrestling fans out there who are thinking like, oh, I just ripped off Matt Riddle. I was doing this since 2012 when Riddle was still in UFC. So not a knock or anything. Just wanted to be clear that I wasn't you know, stealing anybody's gimmick. Um, and yeah, it's just an absolute blast. It's like, you know, we're not trying to convince anybody that what we're doing is real, which, you know, to a certain extent, that's what WWE and AEW have to do. It's under the guise of athletic competition and it's important who wins and who loses. Not that it's not at hood slam, but we could have an atomic bomb come out and become sentient and live the entire human experience in five minutes and then detonate itself because it wants to commit suicide. Like 
we can have ridiculous storylines like that and get away with it because again we're not trying to convince anybody that what they're seeing is real we are in fact taking you in the opposite direction and being so over the top and so ridiculous that you really kind of have no choice but to come on this journey with us AJ Hood Slam was that so I've I've been in the Bay Area and, and done a lot of stuff in Oakland and, and exhibiting and doing First Fridays and I've definitely come to a few. Were you part of the nucleus that started Hood Slam? Was that or, or did you come into it after it was already established and then like create your character kind of kind of thing? Yeah, so I came in a couple of years after it already started, like two ish two ish years. It had just moved from the Victory Warehouse in Oakland to the Oakland Metro Opera House, which was its home for many years. Um, I first joined just fresh out of Tough Enough because I was trying to do as many different shows as possible. I quickly learned that the audience at Hood Slam does not, they're not a wrestling crowd. They are a go out and rage on a Friday night crowd. So very few of them cared that I was on this reality show, um, you know, within the last year or so. So in order to, and I had so much fun at Hood Slam right off the bat, I was like, I need to come back here. So I built this character from the ground up and I was so sick of being a good guy just because like, you know, on all these other shows I was doing, it was like, I'm AJ from Tough Enough and I was on TV, wee, cheer me. It was just boring <laughs> and creatively stifling and I wasn't really having much fun just being myself. That sounds weird, but like, you know, if you... Actors, I think, have the, the most fun in their career when they get to really dig into a character rather than just be themselves on camera. And so as a performer, I was just kind of getting bored of being myself in the ring. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to be somebody somebody would pay to see. And I don't know that just AJ Kirsch is somebody would have paid to see at that time. So I put this character together with the idea of, like, who if they had never seen me before or even heard of me before within five seconds, they're like, Oh yeah. Like F that guy. I hate him. I hate him. I don't know why, but just, I hate him. Um, so, you know, I've had the obnoxious, uh, like jeans with all the rips in them that are like, look way too expensive and the douchey, like super tight shirt, these obnoxious shades. And eventually the look grew into these super loud, colorful board shorts a tank top, a uh, ball cap, like tilted to the side that says turnt on it. And, um, <laughs> you know, I come out spraying Axe body spray on myself to the beautiful tunes of Nickelback. So like immediately, who I unironically love, by the way, I love Nickelback. Unironically, if anybody says that uh, they don't, you're a liar. Everybody knows and loves at least one Nickelback song, at least one whether it's Photograph or Rockstar or How You Remind Me, at least one. And rant. Anyway. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, they got such a they got such a bad rap. Like, where does that even start from? I guess that's yeah, another I, topic for another time. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, uh, off, that's off mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, I just I just had such a blast creating this character and you know, but the first time I went out there, nobody had seen me before, only as AJ the just commentator. So I came out as Broseph Joe Brody and was just immediately showered in booze. It was the best. It was the best. Oh man. 
That sounds like such a great time. Like I've never actually been to a hood slam event. I've always wanted to go. I'm based out of San Jose, so I don't. Do you guys do them in San Jose or not? Um, no, not really. I mean, Oakland's yeah. an hour drive away. Like you owe it to yourself yeah. to check out a hood slam. I mean, it's, it is so. I'm biased, of course, but it is. I've done you know extra work at AEW. I've done extra work with WWE. I've worked for probably. 30 or 40 promotions here on the West Coast, none of it is f- as much fun as Hood Slam is. Okay. Mike, I think we should make a field trip and do that one day. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I'd go back. I mean, I, my recollection of those, um, there's another event that they have at the Opera House, some kind of, uh, I, I forget the name of it. Tourette's like Without battle. Regret. Thank you, thank you. I, I don't even know, is that still going? It is. Uh, unfortunately, the Metro lost that space. They lost the indoor space. Uh, over the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing now actually is taking over this big parking lot on 10th and Broadway in Oakland. They build the stage, they build lights and sound and, you know, they've got the mixing booth and they've got pop-up bars and um, it's more of a festival type of feel. And so they take over that parking lot and build a stage for an entire weekend of shows, usually with Tourette's Without Regrets on a Thursday, Hood Slam on a Friday and then they do a lot of metal shows on Saturday and Sunday. So actually, this is a great time for gratuitous plug. The next time we're back out there is Friday, March the 3rd. Uh, Hood Slam teams up with Arno Core, the greatest band of all time. At least they'll tell you so. Um, and if you haven't <laughs> heard of Arno Core, they are a heavy metal band that looks and sounds like characters from an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. All of their songs... Mm-hmm are based off of Arnold movies or characters. And it's just so much fun. It is a rip roaring good time. And we are putting on a show together, collaboratively called Get Your Ass to March. So for those of you who have either been on the fence about um, a hood slam or gentlemen, if you want to make it up and you need to pick a night to come, this is the night to do it. Friday, March the 3rd in Oakland. 21 and over, don't bring your effing kids. Yeah, uh, no Mike, I think we should come. <laughs> I think yeah. we should go. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a blast. Because uh, yeah, and just to go back, they 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 had a they already had a similar feel when they were in the Opera House, Tourette's and and Hood Slam, right? It's it's a it's the same kind of raucous crowd, uh, lots of screaming and yelling and and people, yep. you know, spitting while they're talking and and stepping on your shoes and um, yeah, it's a very it's a great very time. Who wouldn't want to go? Yeah. Very unfiltered. Yeah. But I do want to be clear, though. It's a raucous crowd, but it's a respectful crowd. Like, it's a good group of people. It's not like, you know, and like, you know, like you said, there's battle rapping at uh, Tourette's Without Regrets. There's oftentimes like slam poetry, stand up comedy, burlesque, contortion. Hood slam, obviously, pro wrestling is a very violent energy because it's, it's you know, combative. But the crowds are just a bunch of dope humans so it's like you don't need to be worried about getting into a fight or you know you know it's it's kind of a rough area it's still downtown oakland so like don't have anything showing in your car but like it's the crowd itself <laughs> right. is an awesome crowd oh man i, I think we got to do it mike I, I really think we should go and I, you brought up uh battle rapping uh can anybody participate in that um i think you can just sign up yeah like I, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's just to drop your name in the hat, and then they call your name before the show starts. Oh and man! Be ready. Or <laughs> is that either of you? 
Oh, that's Mike. Mike's actually a rapper. <laughs> that's dope. A rapper. A rat. Yeah. <laughs> You're a um, rapper. Stop it. <laughs> well, okay. So there's, a, there's, there's levels, right? So, but battle rapping is its own thing of rapping. That's, it's very different than just someone who says, you know, who can rap, like getting on stage and being able to freestyle and come up with lines to clown the person right in front of you and keep the crowd engaged and not fuck up and get everyone booing you. It it's, it's its own thing of rapping. Right. Right. And that, that is the environment just to be clear. It's not like hop up on stage and, you know, spit a few bars. It is verbally eviscerate the human in front of you in a way that is clever <laughs> and, uh, and entertaining. Oh man. I would love Mike. You gotta do that for the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I need some practice. I'll practice on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. We'll do an episode on that. Uh, so, AJ, as we continue talking, oh, go, go, ahead, go, ahead, go. Ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, because you you sound like you had it, you had it going. Yeah, just as we continue talking about your your wrestling career, I want to talk about uh, your involvement in WWE WWE Two K Nineteen. Is that correct? You were the voice of the my player, right? Uh, yeah, I was the um, the voice of the main character in the my career mode. Now. What, how did you land that role? And then like, what was that experience like? Because, you know, we always like to learn about all these different things and, and gaming. I always find is, is such a fascinating medium. I'm a huge gamer. You know, we've covered a lot of gaming things and, you know, I, I think WWE is such a great series. I know they've had a couple of rough years, but for the most part, it's always a pretty solid game. And, uh, you know, that game itself even was, I, I think was, was, was fun. I, I think the, my player was great. Everything about it was great. You were great in that. And so I'm just curious, like how, you landed that and what, what that whole process was like. Yeah. Um, so as I said earlier, after Tough Enough, I shot myself around to different talent agencies in the San Francisco Bay Area to try to get more uh, experience in other avenues of entertainment. And one day an audition came along um, for a pro wrestling related project. And I don't know, I don't know that I can say what the you know, pseudonym for it was like the fake title, but I was just like, okay, cool. Like I've got a lot of experience in this. Like, let's just see what happens. And so did the audition felt really good about it. And I forget where I was driving, but I was driving somewhere. I was at a stoplight checking emails and, um, got this, this email from 2k saying, Hey, we really loved your audition. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe at this point to tell you that, XYZ is not actually called XYZ. It was the uh, my career mode for WWE 2K19, and we'd like to offer you the role. And I was like, it's the surprise of just knowing that's what it was for. And good thing I didn't know because I think I would have put way too much pressure on myself. But also, growing up a wrestling fan, growing up a gamer, like this was as close to a dream gig as it could get. For me it was absolutely insane and everybody at 2k was phenomenal to work with um we actually shot every single cutscene for 2k19 in like three and a half days they were some long long days and it was like what like four hours or something of cutscenes from beginning to end so it was you know that's that's longer than a feature film so we we cranked it out but it was just a real joy and just absolutely surreal to be in that studio in the mocap suit just being like this is the game I, it's coming out of me and my face right now <laughs> and, and it's crazy because then you're forever like your voice is forever you know 
you know, immortal, right? Like we can always grab that game, play it, and then be like, oh, that's so and so, you know, like right. that's such a great feeling, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's <laughs> unreal, and just also to like have the game so well received, to have my career yeah. so well received um because you know there was also that pressure it's like the 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 gamer community and the wrestling community are two of the most vocal in the entire world if they don't like something oh they will let you know about it they will not let you forget how they feel about something so to have such unanimously positive feedback from both communities was like both truly heartwarming but also just like oh thank god (laughs) so does that uh that kind of job comes I noticed you've also been in a bunch of commercials too, TV commercials. Does does the game come before those or do those like where does that how those fit together? The game the game came after most of those commercials. Um the game was you know, if that was 2K19, so it came out in October of 2018. So we were shooting that in like February, March of 2018. Um, and most of my work in commercials came prior to that. I'd have like, I don't know, maybe one or two commercials a year. Um, so, and it's been kind of slow since the pandemic. So that's, that's slowed down a little bit. What's actually been picking up lately, which has been super cool is live event hosting. Um, as you and I are, uh, recording this, I'm about two weeks removed from CES in Vegas, the consumer electronics show, which is one of the most influential tech conventions in the world. I was presenting for some new tech there. And then uh, actually tomorrow um, I'm leaving for Phoenix where I will be hosting hype events leading up to and through the Super Bowl, both this weekend and next weekend. So that's very, it. very excited about both of those. And when projects. you say hype events, are those just like things in and around the city that have to do with the Super Bowl? Just at like this bar, or this restaurant, or this event space, but it's it's or is it something entirely different than that? I think that's what it's going to be. I actually have yet to have the the Zoom meeting with the um, agency that put me in touch with those projects, but I imagine, and I'm just pulling this out of my ass. Yeah. Like it could be the. <laughs> Traeger Grill tailgate tournament or the Chevy punt pass and kick competition. I have no idea. But between <laughs> I think they're taking over the Phoenix Convention Center. So between the convention center and whatever other kind of peripheral venues they have in the Phoenix and Glendale a- area, I imagine I'm going to be zigzagging all across that city for the entire time that I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um and that's part of like one of the, I mean, obviously being associated with anything related to the Super Bowl is super exciting, but I'm also equally excited about the challenge of rising up to whatever they throw in front of me. Um, like my hosting really started with pro wrestling, hosting, ring announcing, commentary, um, got comfortable enough in that that it went to boxing and MMA, got comfortable enough in that that it went to like expos and fundraisers and conventions and like Make-A-Wish events and burlesque shows and tractor pulls and stand-up comedy shows. Um, you know, I'm going to be hosting Stockton Con uh, at the end of February, which is a pro wrestling, anime, uh, video game, pop culture convention. So like being able to, to still do what I love in pro wrestling, but find out that I love all these other events just as much is like, it feels good as far as like personal and professional growth is concerned because it is not always easy to 
kind of poke your head around from what it is that got you started in the first place. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, you know, let's compare it to kind of personal work and personal growth, right? Like you have a thing, maybe it's I get angry when this thing happens and I'm going to go see a therapist and work on that. But really, you start unpacking it and you realize it was something your dad did and then something that your mom did that made you react this way and blah, blah, blah. As you go through it, you become, you know, you go down a road that you had no idea you were going to go. And with your career, right? you know, you, it sounds a lot like you follow what you felt was your passion, which led to one thing, which then led to another. And your openness to be able to be open to those new things allowed for this kind of path to just materialize. And now, you know, that's exactly and now you're it. at the Super Bowl doing, doing stuff. And, and it's, uh, it's pretty great. Yeah. Good for you, AJ. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, that. When, when, when people, when people find that way, you know, I speak for myself too. When you find that part of you that you no longer want to just conform to, I'm going to get a job and do this because it's easy. You're like, this is my passion and I'm going to follow it. I think once you give yourself to that, the universe kind of starts to open up opportunities to you if you're paying attention and if you're good at what you do. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Right. You also have to be talented. <laughs> yeah. Like you have yeah. to, yeah. you have to, to a certain extent, like you have to know when you're good and know when you're not good. Like, um, you know, I tried stand-up comedy a couple times and I sucked. Like it did not, <laughs> it did not go well, but when I'm behind a mic and interacting with the crowd, that's when I'm like at my best. It's that interaction that I'm really good at. If it's just me up there telling jokes, it's not nearly as good. <laughs> and that was like, you know, not easy for me to swallow. Cause I want to be good at everything. Um, but also to your point, just being, open to other things and just being like, well, this may not be my first choice right now, but the experience would be good for me or the networking could be good for me or just stepping outside of my comfort zone would be good for me. All of that, you can bring all of that back to the thing you do want to do, but you may just enjoy doing this other thing, maybe not as much, but maybe even a little bit more than that thing you were so focused on before. So just being open to the possibilities and not defining who and what you are based on your success in this one thing. Yeah. And, and you oh, never, man. and you that. never know what's going to happen when you, when you leave the house, it's like, sure. I have this, this opportunity to host this event, even some, even Stockton con, right? Like, but who knows what will happen when I'm there? Like the connection I make with one of the wrestling guests that are, that are at Stockton con. And maybe they know someone who needs, uh, you know, a host for this thing in Indianapolis right. or whatever the, hell you know it's just you just yeah. gotta go exactly like to to that point like one of my regular gigs here in the bay is i'm a uh, bar trivia host every wednesday night at this brewery in alameda called faction brewing company and um one of my other gigs is i'm a wedding officiant i'm an ordained minister i can marry of course people. you are and so if it weren't and so right, and so, yeah, right that's what I mean. and so if it weren't for this trivia gig, I wouldn't be like marrying this couple coming up this summer. And it's like, not only is that like a gig that just brings me a lot of joy, but you know, it also pays well. So it's like, and, and you know, you may, I had that moment where I was like, do I really, do I really want to host bar trivia? And having never done it before, but it's a blast. I look forward to it every single week. And Again, it's a chance to meet a lot of people. It's a chance to share my vibe as a host and as an MC. And, 
you know, by having just a casual conversation with somebody, I'm like, yeah, I'm also a wedding officiant. They were like, oh, you know what? I know somebody getting married this summer. Let me put you two in touch. And bam, there's a whole new set of people to network with. There's another gig. There's another payday. You really never know. Man, it's uh, you are you are uh, quite the master of uh, networking and, and bringing that good energy. So like it's thank you. So I I, I, I I envy that. I'm learning those skills as we've been doing this show. Uh, in many ways, I feel like I'm talking to two mm-hmm. mics right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and in many ways, you guys also share a very uh, common interest that I have to talk about because it's always on this show, whether we try to or not. It's Burning Man. Uh, Mike yeah. is so so. Uh, connected to Burning Man, to Burn, and no matter what we do when we do this show, that there's always that, and Bruce Willis always happen to come in the show for some reason. <laughs> I find a way to wedge. I find a so way to wedge I, it into every conversation, just like most people who go to Burning Man at, at parties try to find a way to wedge <laughs> Burning Man in the in any conversation, <laughs> right? So speaking of Burning Man, AJ, I don't know, you you might have to dig back a little bit in the in the memory banks, but we've met before. Um, we had dinner at Brenda's with a bunch of lamplighters before a bunch of us went to go see Massive Attack at the Civic Center in uh, San Francisco. In San Francisco. Ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think I remember um, this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and we and we talked, and I got I think I got your phone number. We talked about Hood Slam. Um, you know, Was this with stuff. Becca? Becca was there. I remember uh, this. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so when Uncle Dad told me about you, I was like, that sounds familiar. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's Hood Slam. And I was like, I know Hood Slam. And then when I looked you up, I was like, oh, yeah, this is – he's he's Lamplighter, you know. Oh, folks, my God, right? that's insane. <laughs> what a small world. And not the least bit surprising that this is the type of nope. shit that happens at Burning Man and far beyond. Absolutely. <laughs> the, 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 the Playa Magic is in the – It's real. Micro, it's, in, it's everywhere. Yeah, once you yeah. go, it, like, it's in your DNA, right? Yeah. yeah. Uncle Dad, when are you going? You got to go. Hopefully this year, right, Mike? Trying to, we've been trying to get him to go. We've been trying to get him. Trying to get him out there. We got to get him out there. And it's, it's just the tickets are such a big issue, but hopefully this year. They're hard. Um, they're hard to come by. They really are. But also, yeah. you know, it's this weird It's this weird thing where if you're meant to be there, you'll find a way. You'll kind of find mm-hmm. a way. Yes. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm finding a way 110%. Cool. Okay. Cool. Well, I hope so because I turn 40 uh, the day before – gates open this year my birthday is august 26th the burn starts officially august 27th so at some point i'm celebrating my 40th birthday at burning man this year so i would love to to have both of you there are you uh, oh yes we will be there are you planning to are you still a lamplighter are you venturing into other areas i I ventured i ventured elsewhere i am i loved my time with lamplighters they are such a bunch of scoundrels. And I mean that yeah. in the best possible way. <laughs> but uh, I was happy to mix it up. And also I brought my girlfriend with me this past year. And like, I don't think Lamplighters would have been quite her jam. So the, the camp we're with right now is is a bunch of just amazing people. Not that Lamplighters isn't, but like it was, I think it was a way to kind of also see, see the burn through fresh eyes. This year was the seventh year um, I've been. And so... The last time I've been was 2014. So I took a lot of time off to kind of miss it and appreciate it differently. Um, and I think switching camps really helped me to do that. Sure. So what was your, uh, what was your first year? How did, how did you find your way out there? Like what, what was, uh, 
the in the doorway for Burning Man to you. Yeah, so I camped with lamplighters. I, if anybody's listening to this and you're thinking of going, absolutely find a camp that you can you can make friends with and contribute to, and and it is a rough go. It can be a rough go if you're going alone or just kind of you know just winging it out there. Um, so I would definitely suggest falling in with the camp. And I went sober. Like I wanted to know what the experience was like for the experience itself without, you know, the influence of anything else. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad I did it that way because it really just made everything that I was watching and witnessing and experiencing that much more profound that this is sober. This is really happening. This is not enhanced by anything whatsoever. Um, so, you know, if you don't, you don't need to go out to Burning Man and do all the things and take all the things for it to be a mind expanding experience. Mm -mm. Yeah. I, I think that's a lot of people's perception and we do, you know, we, we talk about it often on the show that, you know, people think of Burning Man and they think that's all it is, is a bunch of people taking drugs and running around naked. And, you know, that's there if you want that, but that's definitely right. not all that's there. Right. Right. There's, there's yeah. art, there's lectures, there's workshops, there's, uh, two gyms, which I love. <laughs> like there's <laughs> dancing, there's uh, incredible sculptures, there's structures that you can climb on and play in. There's food and drinks everywhere. There's nothing, there's no merch stands. There's no money except if you're buying ice. Cause they actually need to bring that in on ice trucks. Um, people are just, and really more than anything, it is the people, it's the community. It's everybody looking out for everybody. It's everybody showing up for everybody. It's everybody making sure that we are all having a good time together. Mm -hmm. What was the first year that you went? 20, uh, 2008 American dream mm -hmm. was the theme. Um, I think it was 2008. I went mm -hmm. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, took 13 off, went in 14, and then didn't go back until 2022. Yeah, I mean, my first year was 2009, and I had been working a full-time job at Kaiser as a pharmacy tech. And okay. um, going to Burning Man, and part, part of what it was for me was, it was learning how to connect with people in a different way, but also see that what's possible right and so right. i was doing my, i was doing my art on the side and my free time and my time off from work my vacation days were all spent traveling to comic conventions and selling my comics but going there it kind of opened up this part of my mind to hey if you're an artist go be an artist don't don't half ass and and wait for some opportunity to show up at a comic con like go be a fucking artist and so um yeah, the next year I went and then I quit my job and moved away. And and now here I am on a you. podcast with Uncle Dad. <laughs> that's awesome. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's an intimidating decision. It is not easy. Like I, there were, it, sometimes it comes and goes. I've had periods in my life where I've made it as a full-time performer, actor, voice actor, uh, live event host, wedding officiant, blah, blah, blah. It, it takes like six or seven hats at any given time. And there have been times where I've been able to do it. And there, or this time a year ago, I was working a shitty retail job that I was miserable at every day. So it's like, you can take that leap, but you just need to be prepared to have some years where you're eating good and years where you're eating ramen. 
Um, mm. But either way, you are going to be far happier that you that you did it, even if it was just for a short time, than if you never did it. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I'm struggling with that right now myself. Michael can tell you that. Like, I'm struggling with uh, my day job and this, and this means everything to me. Like, when I created this, it's been everything, and it's been such a beautiful journey to get to talk to people like you and people I've admired, and it's it's just so wonderful. And I keep fighting with that concept of. Do I leave my day job and just focus on this? But it's such a fearful choice. But, you know, I know Mike has done it. You know, I'm, I, you, know you have done it. But, like, how do I find that? The, if you, how do I find the, the ability just to do it, you know? Right. It's, I, I, that's what I, it's tough. It's tough because he also needs to be in a way that makes sense. Like, if you've got a mortgage, if you've got a family, if you've got, you know, if you have adulting that needs to happen, and most of us do. <laughs> It needs to be done in a way that also makes sense for what your goals are. Um, yeah. You know, there's no real easy answer. Like right now, I'm fortunate enough that gigs and shows are going well enough, but also like I've started doing personal training during the week because I'm not making the type of money that I want to because like I live in an apartment right now and it's fine, but like I'd love to be able to afford a house one day. As I said earlier, I'm almost 40. I'd love to be able to afford a kid one day. But that's not going to happen if I'm just doing the things I like doing only what I want to do. Like, I, I don't, God, I wish I had some advice for you, but it's like, it, it doesn't <laughs> need to be, I guess, just like podcast or your job. Like it could be jobs, like maybe find a job that more suits your schedule so you can put more into the podcast or learn a skill that allows you to make more of the podcast. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but we're, cause honestly, we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just trying to figure oh, it for out. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, I never expect anybody to give me like the right answer. You know, Mike always guides me in a lot of things and you know, it's just right now we're in that, you know, I, I like to be honest, like, you know, I'm in that weird phase of my life where I'm trying to figure out, you know, I want this to be 110% everything, you know, I do, but how do I get there without, you know, cause this pulls in money. Yes. But it doesn't pull in, you know, obviously big time money sure. and, uh, you know, and, and, and can it lead to that? Of course it can. You know, we know that podcasting can totally lead to that, right? Just like Mike's art, you know, and what you do, it, but it just takes so much time. And, you know, I think really, I need to realize that you're right. What you said to me hit me really hard right now in a good way was like, sometimes you're just going to eat ramen and it's true, you know, and I, and I think I need to accept that and, you know, just push forward through this and allow this to keep growing. Right. Right. But, and ramen's uh, not bad. Ramen tastes no. good. <laughs> you can get good flavor packet ramen, right? Right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite? Throw an egg in there. There you go. What's done. your favorite ramen flavor packet? <laughs> Shrimp or chicken? <laughs> yeah. All right. Shrimp or chicken? <laughs> but, you know, and then this also to anyone listening, you know, like there's no one way that it works for anyone right. to get where, where you're trying to get. Like, you know, our, one of our last guests was, uh, he's an, an artist and a, and a producer at, at Disney. And, you know, his, one of his first jobs was on the Arsenio Hall show because he broke into a janitor's closet at, at Paramount one night and it just worked <laughs> out. And yeah, go figure. So, yeah. you know, you just, you just gotta, as long as I think is you have the intention and it's true to you and you follow those things, those doors that open when they do, um, I think that you'll be on that path and uh yeah have the curiosity to peek your head through that door and see what's on the other side maybe even walk through it from time to time 
Yeah, which which I'm definitely pushing myself to do so more now than I ever have in my life. Good. Especially with being with Mike. You know, he's been telling me, let's do it. And so I'll just do it. We just say yes to everything. Let's go. Right. Let's go. Right. Because, you know, like what's going to happen? So, yeah. yeah, I just, uh, you know, and a lot of that, I and I bring up all this because you got to talk about, you know, Burning Man and the energy it brings. You know, I know that Burning Man is such a big part of Mike. And, you know, I've kind of seen so much guidance come through him when he goes there because he goes there and he comes back. And so I'm just excited to finally experience that myself. And uh, it is you know, infinitely inspiring, infinitely inspiring. Yeah. And also, and I, can't, I can't wait. AJ, wouldn't you agree? Like immediacy is one of the 10 principles of Burning Man, just being in the moment. And a lot of times you, you may have a plan to go over on the 10 o'clock side and see that one thing and go visit so-and-so at this camp and you get halfway there. And now you're going on yacht art car that's taking you out to deep playa where <laughs> uh Tycho was djing at the dusty rhino and so you better go do that <laughs> yeah and so just saying <laughs> yes to the moment is is i think a huge part of it you know absolutely it's it's making peace with the fact that your plans are never going to go according to plan it's just not going to happen yes. that way um it's funny you mentioned the Tycho. i was like yeah, I was at that Tycho Sunrise set at Dusty Rhino. It was great. It was amazing. Um, but a good example of that, like uh, my girlfriend and I, we were just biking around one night. It was probably two in the morning or something. And we were biking by this this tiny little camp with a little yellow lightning bolt on it. And we were like, the music's really good. Let's pull over and like dance or get a drink or something. We we're like, cool, let's do it. Um, and then we're just chatting with somebody at the bar. And my girlfriend like, looks up at who's playing and she asks the dude she's like is that diplo and like diplo was just there doing this like tiny private little set for like 50 people he's he, and he feels like arenas all over the world like those little magical moments that just find you when you least expect them it's that alone is worth the price of admission but again between the people the lessons and adaptability yeah, the conditions are harsh, but that's kind of the point. Like mm -hmm. when you realize how good of a time you can have in such harsh conditions, that's where the inspiration really shines through. Oh, yeah. I love that, man. I, I, oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and you also see what you're actually capable of because, you, you know, you think, yeah. oh, I can't, I can't do that. I'm like all that. And then you get out there and you realize I'm actually more capable than I think I am. And, yep. and I think that's a great part of growth. And, uh, and AJ, have you ever done any wrestling while you're at Burning Man? That is the um, No, that's always been this like <laughs> pipe dream of mine. Like I've never <laughs> seen a wrestling ring at Burning Man. Um, you know, I, I, I looked into it. Burning Man, the organization does not sponsor performances. They only sponsor like stationary art. So it's not like I can get a grant to have, you know, a ring crew bring a ring and set it up at Burning Man because they would all need tickets and everything. Um, it has always been a dream of mine to get wrestling out to Burning Man. Um, I think wrestling is perfect for the Burning Man audience and especially something like Hood Slam. The characters and the vibe and how just open and welcoming and over the top it is, I think would be revered on the playa. You know, this last year, I was out and about late at one night and riding around and found what looked like a wrestling ring. So I rolled up to it and uh, got off the bike. And it was, it was like a wrestling ring, the ropes on the side, but it was completely oh like a big, 
it was like a big pillow when you sat when you got on top of it so it was very <laughs> soft and squishy and there was two other people sitting in there and me and the person that was with start talking to them turns out i i know them i'm friends with their camp and they you know like of course, of course just of more, course. more of the magic but there was one out there and i never oh saw it again God. i only saw it that night and who knows where, where the hell right where the hell that was I hope it's there next year i gotta find it i gotta find yeah, it yeah but i did oh, actually man. so here's here's a fun example of like how my default world as it's known outside of burning man my default world life intersected with my life at the burn uh, a friend of mine who's like been to hood slam a bunch of times um was running a camp called hotel california and asked me to host ring announce and provide the commentary for their annual coconut oil wrestling spectacular. Like they mm. laid out a bunch of tarps and it was just like, come one, come all. They like lather them up in this little backstage area and then send them out there in front of this roaring crowd and just have them coconut oil wrestle each other. I went straight <laughs> from that event to a camp all the way across Playa where some a friend of mine was getting married and they asked me to interrupt their wedding and present them with the intergalactic tag team championship belts before they actually <laughs> got married. So like within this wow. like two hour period was just this wild Venn diagram of these different parts of my <laughs> life that I was fortunate enough to actually bring to the playa. So it was like just shit like that. It's just like, this is the best. This is the best. Yeah. Oh, the, man, that's the playa provides. Oh, the player provides exactly this year this year i will be there. this is the year Whatever i gotta do to make happen i'm gonna make it happen yeah um but we do gotta wrap up here uh i just want to ask if you have uh, obviously you mentioned up your upcoming events uh if you want to mention those one more time for our audience we'd appreciate oh that. my god so, uh, i'd love to they, but they can come find you i would love i gotta actually bring up my link tree because i have <laughs> i have so many coming up that i just want to make sure i get them all <laughs> um, what a good problem to have Yeah, exactly <laughs> so every wednesday alameda california i am your uh quiz master and host for king trivia at faction brewing company um saturday february the 4th to um Sunday the 5th in Phoenix and Glendale, Super Bowl hype events. The following weekend, Thursday the 9th through Sunday the 12th, also Super Bowl hype events. I will be hosting and ring announcing a uh, an MMA show in Vegas, an all-female MMA show where they fight in lingerie. It's called the Lingerie Fighting Championships. I will be the host and ring announcer for that event, Tuesday, February yeah. the 14th. Uh, Stockton Con, Saturday, February the 25th, and Sunday, February the 26th in Stockton, Immediately after that, I will be uh, actually in your neck of the woods, Uncle Dad, uh, San Francisco, um, a little bit north of San Jose, obviously. I will be hosting, ring announcing, and providing the commentary at uh, UGWA as Brosif Joe Brody. Friday, March the 3rd in Oakland, Hood Slam and Arnold Core. Sunday, March the 5th, Best of the West Wrestling in Merced, California. And you can find all of my social media at linktree.com slash AJ Kirsch. That's A-J-K-I-R-S-C-H. Also, if Spoken you're in the like San Francisco Bay Area and uh, need a personal trainer or a wedding officiant, hit me up. <laughs> can, but can you, get, can you get training while you're getting uh, married? Can we do Absolutely. like a combo? You can, do your, you can do your vows while you're holding a plank. And we can do it at Burning Man. <laughs> and at Burning Man. Yes, you can. Yeah. Oh. You want to get married at Burning Man or you need somebody to announce your fight? I'll do it. We can do both. Okay. We'll make it both. That's right. <laughs> Loser pays for the uh, honeymoon. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, 
so we will see you at Stockton Con. Mike and I will be there. So oh we'll my god, yeah! There. Please, you'll hear me on the mic. Just hunt me down. I'd love to see you guys. Yes, we'll definitely see you there, and then we will see you, Mike. We should try to make that Mike uh, March third uh, thing happen. Yeah, let's try for sure. That sounds good. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, AJ. It's been an absolute pleasure. Seriously, uh, you are such a, a great person to talk to. I, I mean, like I guess the energy I got from you just from that one day has always stuck with me since that day. And it's been such an honor and a pleasure to speak to you, really. And thank you just for everything you said. Oh, my God. I mean, thank you, guys. I appreciate your, your time and giving me your platform and a chance to just share a little bit about my story. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Mike, any last words? Um. Just so those know, if they do want to come see you at the Fraction Brewing on Wednesdays, because today's Wednesday, will you be there today? I will be there today. Um, I will not <laughs> be there. I will not be there uh, the following two Wednesdays because I'll be in the south- southwestern U.S. for the Super Bowl, and I'm road tripping, so I'm not about to drive back to the Bay from Phoenix just to drive back to Phoenix. So yeah. Wednesday yeah. the first for sure, and then the next one is going to be. Uh, as I bring up my phone real quick, Wednesday, the, oh my God, 22nd will be the next time I'll be in, uh, at Faction Brewing in Alameda. Got it. Sweet. Oh. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, seriously, uh, please, if you don't know who this is yet, now you do, go follow him on, on all his social media. Have him have him marry you. Like, yeah. Who doesn't want to get married by him? I'd love to marry you. <laughs> Let me marry you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to marry you. Do you even marry, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will drop some Broly matrimony on you. Don't even play. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Thank you, AJ. My pleasure. All right. That was a great episode. This is going to be the outro here. Uh, you know what, man? I really enjoyed everything about that. Seriously, it was one of the best interviews we've had in 2023 so far. <laughs> So far, yeah, I, was, I would say so. Um, yeah, I love the the way when a conversation just uh, they flow like that, and you find the commonality and and uh, and also a shared view of the world, and uh, it just it's it feels great when that happens. Absolutely, and I really just enjoyed connecting with you guys, and it was like talking to two of you. Really, it was, and it was. Uh, it's always whenever I get that opportunity, I absolutely love it, man. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've said this time and time again on the shows. I always look to you as a mentor. And then when someone else kind of fits that same vibe, it's always just so it's just a special thing for me. So I, I was just really happy for this. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's uh, as, as he was talking, obviously, I'm not a wrestler or an announcer or a physical trainer <laughs> or anything physical uh, or anything. <laughs> yes. But, um, it, it, you know, it's the similar similar story, right, of just of having a passion to do something and, and following that and then letting the, the opportunities unfold. And, and you see how, how much it, it makes someone light up when they get to talk about that, their, that oh, yeah. part of their life as an experience. Right. So, so good for him and good for you for listening. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, and before we leave, Mike, we do got to pay the bills. And how do we pay the bills? We talk about our sponsors uh, really quickly. We have a quick announcement from Clandestine. Uh, Clandestine is actually celebrating their five year anniversary, Mike. Clandestine Brewing, uh, if you don't know by now, is our sponsor, our favorite beer maker in the, in the South Bay. Uh, they are hosting a special five year anniversary event on February 11th uh, from, from open to close. Uh, they're going to have a special limited edition beer there, a bunch of other great stuff there, some games going on. So go check them out. Uh, Mike, as always, give them your seal of approval. 
Oh, the seal of approval is is sealed. Um, yeah, that's one of our one of my best places to get beer from in the Bay or just in general. Like the taste is so great and it's a great space. And and I, I hope you all go and help them celebrate their anniversary. Absolutely. And we'll have more information information on this soon. Mike and I, we're hosting a party for St. Patrick's Day there. Uh, we will be there uh, from 6 to 10, St. Patrick's Day. Right now it's called Uncle Dad's Beer Olympics. That's right. Uh, you're going to see me and Mike re- uh, showcase our drinking skills. And I'm pretty sure we know who's going to win. You, Mike. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll definitely see. We'll definitely I'm see. I'm already yes. nervous about the next day. <laughs> that I bet. I bet. I bet. Mm. Uh, so definitely uh, just keep that in mind, everybody. Clandestine Brewing, you know, we truly love them. So uh, we'll see you there. And of course, you can still, you know, on top of that, after you know, after you have a nice drinking, you want to go get some brunch. And what do you need with your brunch? You need some great hot sauce. And so you can go to swampdragonhotsauce.com and pick up the best hot sauce around. Uh, it's the world's only liquor-based hot sauce. Uh, you just go there, you use promo code Uncle Dad, all one word, and you will get 20% off anything on their website. Mike, just really quickly, seal approval again. What do you think on that? Boom, another seal. Uh, I mean, I love it. I had some on my chicken last night, actually. And, you know, if you don't like the taste of vinegar in your hot sauce or on everything you eat, try a Swamp Dragon because you will not have to deal with that. You will not. And you might get a little buzz, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. It might be a maybe. placebo, yeah. but, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, so that's what we got going on uh, with uh, the future and uh, our sponsors. Again, Mike, thank you so much for being part of the show, as always. This is episode 101. We're starting off the next volume, the next uh, the next series. Uh, so very excited uh, to continue this journey with you, as always. Uh, Mike, uh, before we wrap up, anything else you want to bring up? Well, I would just like to tell everyone that uh, if you go to Burning Man, make sure you bring your coconut oil. Because there's a wrestling <laughs> party, apparently. <laughs> uh, Mike, we should do that together. <laughs> we should. We should go there and coconut oil wrestle and oh, see who God. wins, Uncle Dad you, or Mike. <laughs> you'd like that, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> we'll see you all at Stockton Con, everybody. Uh, later this month. <laughs> go to StocktonCon.com. <laughs> For more information. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. We will see you all next week. We've got some great things coming. And of course, thank you guys for listening. And before I forget, be sure to follow us at Uncle Dad Talks on Instagram and at Mike Hampton Art. Uh, be sure to support the show that way. We've got a lot of great content on there. It's all free. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, all right, everybody. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>